yeah, the theme is following Jesus. Uh, I'm going to give some context. I'm going to dip in and out of what that looks like. And then the call for us to what we, what we should be doing. Okay. And this will set us up for the series that come in. We'll be following some of these things in more depth. Okay. So I'm going to give a bit of context about Israel at the time of Jesus or the, the territories around that. They were dominated and ruled by Rome. The actual part of Israel was divided into three. There were two sons of Herod the Great and then another um, Roman ruled with the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. That gives a sort of context. And then the other context is that every week in their synagogues they'll have heard the stories about being delivered from slavery out of Egypt into the promised land They'd have heard about their prophets like Elijah praying there'd be no rain, three years no rain. When he prayed again it rained. And about Elijah healing leprosy. And they'd had all these stories. And then 500 years of nothing since the last prophet, Malachi. Nothing. So they're hearing all these stories and they're not seeing anything. They have a hope that the Messiah will come and bring his kingdom. They have all these scriptures that for those of them that are following God, they are grabbing hold of them. And others are thinking, is it a fairy story? That's our history. Is there really a God? Uh, there were two, two sides of that. And then John the Baptist turns up saying, repent, come back to your gods. Come back, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord's, make his path straight. And in Matthew 4.18, well 4.17 actually, Jesus begins to preach. But before that, he goes to be baptised by John the Baptist and John the Baptist says, I should be baptised by you. And Jesus says, no. For all righteousness, for the sake of rightness, you baptise me. The Spirit of God falls upon him. And then he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. I'm being very brief because we're going to be talking about all this in more detail. But this is about following Jesus. So Jesus, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Galilee he saw two brothers, Simon who is called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two more brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending nets. And he called them, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him if you want more context for that you need to look in maybe John 1 verses 29 and 42 it gives you a broader view of that so he's got his disciples and then he goes throughout this is Jesus, he's going throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease every affliction among the people so his fame spread through all Syria 
Mary brought all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem, Judea and beyond the Jordan. Think about this. Think about that context. Nothing since Elijah, 800 years. The last prophet, 500 years. And then some guy turns up and starts healing the sick. Everyone brought to him. And he starts teaching them. You think about the impact of that. If you're a leper, if you're blind, if you're paralysed, you have no hope. And this God turns up. And this guy is like a prophet from old. Who is he? Starts healing everybody. You know, Elijah and Elisha did a few things. But this is way off the scale. He healed everyone. There's no doctors, no national health service, no social security. Disease and sickness were rampant. And then Jesus comes preaching the kingdom of God. What were they expecting now? What did Jesus teach and explain? What type of kingdom were they expecting? But Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. How can you follow Jesus unless you know who he is? Is he the Messiah? Is he the Christ? Is he a prophet? I want to ask you a couple of questions because I'll come back to some of that. Are you a follower of Jesus? What does that mean? Does it mean I'm going to church? I believe in God, I'm living a good life, I pray when I need to, I take communion, I'm a religious person. Well, just to say, no. Right. Being a follower is about experience backed up with the word of God, it's not activities. To be a follower, you need to be born again. We had a guy called Nicodemus coming to Jesus and Jesus telling him, actually you need to be born again. Which is, it didn't compute with him. You need to be born again. What is born again? It is through only faith and trust in that Jesus died for your sins, taking the punishment upon himself for you so that the separation between you and God is gone. He paid, it's called redeeming. He paid that price so that you can know God and follow him. It also means turning from where, where you were living, doesn't matter what that is, and following him. That's repentance. Being baptised is publicly declaring that I am following Jesus. And then the baptism of fire with the Holy Spirit in that, born again. Another thing that, that disciples do who follow Jesus, they pray. 
And as the disciples followed Jesus and talked, and they would see him pray, he'd go to quiet places and pray. He'd go in the mornings or he'd pray all night. And they would say to him, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? Like John taught his disciples. And uh, in Luke it says it quite well, in Luke 11 onwards, he was praying in a certain place. And when he ceased, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples. And he said, when you pray, Father, Father, Father. This is a distant God. He's our Father. Father, hallowed be thy name. Honour, love, adore your name. As a father, as one of we had two of our youngest, I had really wasn't enjoying my job much. And I, I often come home, and the joy of my two little ones seeing their dad come home and wanting a cuddle and a grip was wonderful. That's our father. All right, we're loving him, we're adoring him, we're honouring him, and he wants—he's got his arms out. That's the start of prayer. That's the start of prayer. That centres us on who he is because he loves us. We're going to go into the Lord's Prayer more deeply. This is what it's called. And then he says, Thy kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who has sinned against us, indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation. It's a blueprint for prayer of drawing close to God, for praying his kingdom in, for praying for your daily needs. It just comes down. Keep us from temptation. Another characteristic of a disciple is listening. Spending time in your Bible. Meditating on it. Not meditating, clearing your mind. Meditating on the word of God. You can get some surprises. I was reading uh, when I was a younger man uh, in Peter, and just a few, half a verse leapt out at me. It said, Owe no man anything. And I had debts. And I just knew that I would bang, God saying to me, Get rid of those debts. And I got rid of them, and I lost my job. And if I'd had debts, I'd have had a real problem. Okay. Um, I've had dreams, prophetic insights. You get the same. Nothing special whatsoever. I remember a friend of mine, a pastor, coming to me and talking with me, saying, what happens, because he's about New Frontiers, what happens when Terry Virgo goes? He's going to take over. And all I remember was, as came to my mind straight away, I said, actually, it's going to split into apostolic teams. That's what happened with the early church. That's what's going to happen. And if you know now, there's many streams that were once New Frontiers. And God's doing that all around the world. And as other apostles pass on the mantle, there'll be more and more. And not just with New Frontiers, but the whole worldwide church. That's what God's doing. God gives you insights into these things. It can be really, really exciting. Find my place. Yeah. The more you read God's word, the clearer you will hear him. The more he can use verses. 
I was once worrying about my financial situation and wanting, I have a dream about having a little farm and all this sort of thing. And I thought, well, God, no, it's not going to happen. And then he said, but actually, you're going to inherit the land. The believers are going to inherit the land. It's popping to my mind. And I knew he was speaking to me again. And you get the same. There are many, many little stories that as you read the Bible, as you meditate on it, God communicates with you. All right. Listen to him. Listening is important. You can read, you can talk a lot, you can pray a lot, but listening to him is really important. My sheep, my sheep hear my voice. That's what Jesus said. So don't worry about it. Okay? Don't get uptight. So this is John 10, 27. The sheep that are my, my own hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never, ever, by any means, perish. And no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. It's a real promise from Almighty God to you. My Father has given them to me. He is greater and mightier than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And this is one of his claims now. I and the Father are one. I'm reading from an amplified version. And it says, I and the Father are one in essence and nature. In other words, he's calling himself one with God. He is God. And before we believe him, we have faith and trust in him. I live by faith and trust in all situations, through all hardships. Paul ended up beaten in Philippi, stuck in a, a jail. And in that situation, what would we do? It's a big question because he started praising and singing. And then we had an earthquake. And the jailer gets saved and his family. So in all situations, wherever you end up, if you're following Jesus, even when it gets bad, God can work salvation out of it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Some of this is happening in Ukraine and other places. What part does faith take in our daily life? Personally, I pray before I get to work that God will lead me to the people he wants me to help. He's put me in a job I love. Uh, much to my surprise, ended up doing this. I had no plans for it, really. Uh, I work um, for... Uh, yeah... I just, and I pray every time I go to work, God, lead me. Open things up for me. Go ahead of me. Who would you want me to talk to? So, and then it opens up. I've had um, an experience a few years ago of working for a boss who didn't want me there and gave me a hard time for two years. And I'm talking horrible. I'm not talking. And I would often 
pray, God bless them. Lord, help me during this day. And I would be given big projects to do, eight staff to do, and uh, an hour later, I'm doing it, no one else. And I have to get it done. And all sorts of other things. And I prayed for that person, and I prayed for that person. Because that's what Jesus said. Love your enemies. It's astounding. How can you do that? Without God's spirit, you can't. Without Jesus' teaching, you can't. Can you change the world by hating? Well, you can make more haters. I met an Irishman many years ago in Australia. He didn't know I was English. He was thought he was surrounded by Aussies. And this is what hate does. He'd seen his father put up against a cottage wall. His own home had shot by English soldiers. And he said that day, I don't hate the English anymore. Forgiven them. That's what hatred does. It burns and produces more. Love and forgiveness changes the world. This is part of God's kingdom. Oh, there we go. Another thing is we obey him. Disciples obey. One of the exciting things for Jesus' disciples, he said, you 12, you're going out, you're going to go to all these villages, you're going to pray for the sick, you're going to heal all the diseases and preach about the kingdom of God. I've given you authority. Off you go. Don't take anything with you. Go. And they did. And they come back rejoicing. People are healed. The kingdom of God is preached. Demons. We can even chuck them out. The whole thing. Very exciting. And he also did it with 70, 72 people as well. So it wasn't just to decide the disciples or the apostles. It's supposed to be wider than that. And they obeyed him. What do you think we're supposed to be doing? I'll just drop that in for you. Okay. I've got another scripture here, Matthew 7, 24. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay. And he goes on in verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and put them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock and where it is stable and unshakable. And when Jesus has finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is just amazing stuff. And if we are following Jesus, we need to love him. That's another characteristic. Jesus said in the Amplified Bible, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. That is, unselfishly seeking the best or higher good for others. The whole law and the writings of the prophets depend on these two commands. So we have to love like Jesus did. That love will affect the way I think. Think about it. 
It will affect what I do, where I go, what I say. You'll be thinking, you're looking at this person, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? Lord, what can I do? What can I do? And if we are following him and doing these things, we don't have to fear in the last days whether we're going to be the sheep or the goat. We're doing what Jesus wants us to do. We're born again. We're hearing from him. We're obeying him. We're loving him. And we will serve him. That's another characteristic. You will serve God. What does that mean? Well, I will touch a bit on this, but not a lot. Okay? I often pray for my children every day that they will fulfill their destiny in him. And I've got my notes here. It's fulfilling. When I'm talking to people who don't believe, and I'm sharing them about Jesus and some of my stories, I feel alive. It's what I'm supposed to be doing. I had an encounter with God when I was 25. And um, I would be very brief about it. It's quite a story, really. But I, I have a Christian background. I went to a Baptist church. I fell away of being baptised and uh, drifted off for, for quite a few years. And I ended up in a place called New Zealand. And uh, I was doing the things I'd really wanted to do since I was the age of nine. And mine wasn't a dream of being wealthy. It was travelling around the world. And I, I enjoyed some of it, and some of it wasn't very nice. And I was thinking, actually... This isn't fulfilling. This, this isn't doing for me what I thought it would. You know? And I was in my bedroom one night and I just said, God, if you're there, I've read about you, I've done all this stuff and I've turned away and I'm coming back, but I need to know you're real. I really, really do need to know you're real. Otherwise, I'm not coming back this way. It wasn't, wasn't rude. It was just the way I felt. And then he turned up. Um, knocked my socks off, almost literally. And he said, I love you. And he started pouring love into my heart. And I thought it was so powerful, I thought I was going to die. Because he said, I want you to go and tell people about me. He also said, and I felt it as well as heard it, it pains him when people reject him. It pains him. He feels it. But he also feels it when people come to him in repentance and saying, forgive me, I want to follow you. He hears that. And I told him, you're going to have to stop this love because the feeling that it was pouring in. Otherwise I'm going to die and I'm not kidding, that's how I felt. Unless you stop that, I'm not going to be able to tell people about you. Because he told me, I want you to tell people about me. And I've been doing that. And it, actually that feeling of love just stopped. And I just suddenly thought, oh, oh, I want some of it back. You know, um, but I know that God loves us. I know that he wants others to come to him. And I know it hurts him when they don't and when they reject him. We need to share him. That's what disciples do. 
They walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They learned from him. They saw him die. They saw him raised from the dead. They were afraid in a little room and he walked through the wall and said, don't be afraid. You think about it. What would you? I mean, that would, ooh, you'd be going, whoa. <laughs> you'd be really frightened. And then he let them touch him so he wasn't a ghost. He, let, he ate with them and then gave them instructions. So they'd seen him alive. Following Jesus, you're going to suffer. For me, I've had the mickey taken out of me. I've never been beaten. I've been made fun of. I've been ignored. I've had people be rude to me. I've never been beaten. I've never had my house blown up. I've never been a refugee. I've never suffered and, and had to run for my life out of the country. And people in Ukraine are doing that. The churches are serving them, loving them, caring for them in hard circumstances that we can't imagine and have never been through. Like Paul, you know, in Philippi. Actually, in our country, in the 1300s, there was a law passed anyone caught repeatedly reading the Bible in English was going to be hung and burnt at the stake. There's a guy called Wilbur, Wilbur. I forget his name. Yeah. But there were people translating the Bible into English and for Germans into German and so on. And that has been resisted, resisted. Because in the end, if you can read the Bible for yourself, you can hear God for yourself. You don't have to have a priest or a minister or anyone else telling you what is in there. And that was resisted and resisted and people gave their lives repeatedly in this country and in Europe. So we have ancestors and history and we're so fortunate in this country we don't have any of that. Alright. This is what Jesus said. I'm coming to an end nearly. This is what he taught and what he came to accomplish. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Poor doesn't always need mean no money, no food. It can be an attitude. But also it does mean those as well. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, the covering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. I'm going to read, me, read a familiar verse. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believed in him whoever I, I remember saying this before and I always say whoever means anyone no exclusions there are no exclusions none whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's amazing. God so loved this world that he emptied himself, came as a man to take the punishment of us upon, ourselves, upon himself so that we might save, be saved. Jesus called his 12 disciples to follow him. And what do followers do? Not only do they follow the leader, they copy him, they want to be like him. What does that look like? When you follow, you ask, you want to be like him. And Jesus said this in Matthew 28, 16 to 20, English Standard Version. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed him, them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them all, authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. Go, therefore, and make sorry, I got it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So wherever we are when we're following Jesus, He's with us. Not just two and three gathered together, but wherever we end up, in prison, like Paul, in church, bringing a prophecy, he's there. I remember once wondering if I'd lost my salvation, <laughs> being really anguished about it. I was quite young. I was just. And he turned up and said, you're mine, always and forever. No one can take you out of my hand. He doesn't give these experiences just willy-nilly. It's so that you know that you're in the family. So you know that Jesus is with you in every situation. At one stage I was afraid of dying and I had to be near that three or four times for my own stupidity. Or anything else. When you're drowning, you pray. Just to let you know. When you're sliding down a rock face towards into a, a flooded river, you're going, oh God, no. But he was with me in all that. The second time I was drowning, I had peace. I knew what to do. I was getting direction. It wasn't easy, but I wasn't scared. I knew that if I drowned, I was going to be with him. And if I didn't, I had other things that he wanted me to do. I know he's with me. He's also with you. All right? You might be having fears and anxiety about what might come. But he's with you. I have a friend who's afraid of dying and then had an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus said, I've got to be with you. You're going to leave your body, you're going to be with me. Don't be afraid. 
And I know the difference from not being with him and nearly drowning and being really scared to the second time, he's with me and the peace and the directions I got so I could live. Same for you. Do you want to follow Jesus today and for the rest of your life? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you are a faithful God and that you love us. And Lord, we want to follow you and be with you forever. And I just pray that if anyone wants to do that for the first time today, that they will come to you and ask for forgiveness for their sins. Ask for forgiveness for those they've hurt. And turn away from their living and follow you. I just pray that for them. In Jesus' name. Amen.